You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to entitle this Controversy Around the Dead Sea Scrolls. And we're going to subtitle this Jesus, Not Israel is the Vine. The reason we're going to be talking about the Dead Sea Scrolls is because Chuck Carlson, our founder of We Hold These Truths, went to an exhibit, and he's going to talk about the exhibit, and we're going to be talking about some of the issues that really surround this idea of the Dead Sea Scrolls and what they're trying to promote. We're also very fortunate to have with us our dear friend Jamal Bashara. Jamal is the pastor of the First Arabic Baptist Church of Phoenix, Arizona, and Jamal is the Palestinian He happens to be a citizen of Israel. He's from Nazareth, that is in Israel itself. And we'd like to have Jamal open up with a word of prayer. Jamal, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Father, we ask you this evening to open our mind and hearts and those who are listening to this podcast, Father, to open their heart and ears to hear what your spirit has to say to the churches. Lord, there is so much misconception about who you are. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for this ministry here that is opening the minds and heart of people. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you enlighten these mind and the spirit of people, Lord, so they can open their ears and listen what you have to say for them for it is for their benefit and for their maturity in you. You are our Lord and God, and we lift this prayer in your name. Amen. Thank you, Jamal. So I'm going to turn this over to Chuck because he's got all the information, and he's going to start us in the direction of our discussion. And then Craig is going to be doing some biblical responses. Chuck? All right. Thank you, Tom. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I had the experience of visiting the Dead Sea Scrolls in Denver, Colorado at the magnificent Museum of Nature and Science here in Colorado. And according to them, this is the first museum that has aired an exhibit of the so-called Dead Sea Scrolls, which came from Israel and were discovered from 1947 to 1955 or so. have been promoted very widely uh, by Israel. Now, I'll not go into details of the exhibits themselves, except to say that the exhibits uh, were mostly pottery and jars and other extraneous things that were, had nothing to do with the Bible, or very little. There were 10, I believe, exhibits, uh, several of these 10 exhibits which were found in the caves and supposedly came from the Old Testament Several of them didn't come from the Old Testament. They were secular pieces that I viewed as Talmudic in nature. In other words, they were temple rules and that type of thing. And then about six were scriptural. 
And uh, the biggest pieces were as big as your hand, and most of them were as big as your finger, all pieced together. And in a dark setting where they were protected from all light and where you had trouble seeing them, and where you could read about them on photographs that were taken of them. And so the exhibit itself was interesting, and I was uh, grateful to go. But what bothered me was the propagandizing against the Palestinian people and for Israel's leadership in Christianity, you might say. Uh, For instance, a main wall plaque that hung over the primary exhibit said the following, and this is subtle, so we're going to be discussing what this means and how it's meant to influence us. Quote, Christians and Jews tend to believe that their faiths developed independently of each other, although they have traditions in common, especially sacred texts and ancient history. Most believe that the two are distinct, perhaps even antagonistic toward each other. On the contrary, the Dead Sea Scrolls help us to see that Judaism and Christianity emerged from the same religious traditions, that of ancient Israel. At the same time, both claim to embody Israel. Both claim to embody Israel. Indeed, both initially identified themselves as children of Israel and not as Jews or Christians. Now, the Dead Sea Scrolls, it goes on, illustrate how communities in the second temple period, that's the first hundred years after Jesus, I guess, adhered to different understandings of identical sources. And so as I read this, I listened to the words and thought about it and realized that what this is trying to tell us is that Christianity is ancient Israelitism with a little Jesus sprinkled on top, perhaps. And this sounds good, but it leads to false impressions. And we're going to discuss how the state of Israel is not a religion, nor a religious people, and how they have led many to accept perpetual war and constant brutality there in the Middle East, as though it was godly because Israel has been doing it. Going back to this notion that we are simply Israel with a veneer on top, which is the point that the exhibits made in their editorial remarks made by Israelis who uh, did discussions there and did little small group meetings and talked to us, and as well as the one I've just read to you. Now, a couple of responses to this that I've read from other people I know of and follow, one of them comes from a book called The Church is Israel Now. It's a popular theme, The Church is Israel Now, and it goes on, The Transfer of Conditional Privilege, written in 2004 by Dr. Charles D. Provan. And Provan very brightly says this, a great observation. For the last century, Christians have been told that God has an unconditional love for persons racially descended from Abraham. Membership in Israel is said to be a matter of race, not faith. This book repudiates 
such a racial viewpoint and abounds in scriptural reference which shows that the blessings of Israel were transferred to all those who accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This as opposed to the notion that we are basically Israelites with a Jesus flavor. Total repudiation of the idea of a chosen race comes from Dr. Proven's work. And of course, we are expected to accept the present-day Israelis, who would like to call themselves Israelites, I suppose, in all of their acts, including the murder, which we've witnessed in the last month or so, of literally hundreds of absolutely unarmed Palestinian people in front of TV screens on every known network. We have seen countries from all over the world, including most of the European countries, totally repudiate the act of these Israelis who would like to have us think of them as Israelite descendants of Abraham, uh, when in fact there's no fragment of evidence to tell that. One example is one of these countries that is spoken out comes from a Reverend Michael Oliphant of the Anglican Church of Johannesburg, South Africa. And Pastor Oliphant says in part, As someone who has witnessed the suffering of Palestinians, of both Muslim and Christian Palestinians, our ruling party, meaning South Africa's ruling party, several of our opposition parties and our government, our civil society, churches, common unions, and others all firmly stand with the Palestinian struggle against Israeli and he uses the word apartheid, which I would prefer not to use, but he uses that. On this issue, we are united in our diversity. And Israel was only created in 1948 at the expense of the indigenous Palestinians, including Christians. She will soon realize that some of the first followers of Christ were actually Palestinians. Jerusalem and Bethlehem are Palestinian towns. So there's a couple of uh, religious leaders who have uh, spoken out about this notion. Israel can do it because they are God's chosen people. Uh, Yes, Jesus Christ is not the flavor. Uh, Definitely is uh, sprinkled on the the pie and the, uh, the ultimate goal for Israel and its existence is the Messiah. And it is the kingdom of God. It's not the kingdom of Israel. And that is the ultimate goal of the whole Old Testament. If it is reduced to anything less than that, then it is not biblical. And it will have to be extra biblical teaching that is not of God. And we cannot accept that as a Christian. Because we believe in the Torah and the prophets as they are inspired by God. Isaiah spoke about it. Other prophets spoke about it. All the minor prophets spoke about it. And Jesus is the ultimate goal for the nation. And through Abraham's seed, which is very much explained by Paul, who is a rabbi, that to say that Jesus Christ is the blessing to all the nations is not Israel as physical Israel. And so I do not know where 
even Christians are coming out with that these days, especially the Christian Zionists. I cannot call them even Christian and call them Zionists. You can call them Zionists as they bought into Zionism, but they are nowhere to be very any close to Christianity. And so the fragments of the scrolls that they found in Qumran, and I think they were found 1947 by a Bedouin kid, these are very small fragments, and not all of them are the uh, biblical uh, records. Some of them are Essenes records. And we may find also Ebionite records in there, Jacobites record, those who are, they call themselves the followers of James. So I don't think all of that were, as people let us kind of think that they are, all of them are biblical records. On the opposite, a lot of them are not, and they are of the Essenes writings, and also I'm sure the Ebionites who are kind of Gnostics and mystic Jewish people at that point that denied the deity of Christ. And even the Jacobites, which is the followers of James, they call themselves. They are the number one also were deniers of the deity of Christ. So you can see that the ultimate goal for these people and the Qumran, uh, whoever is trying to tell us the Qumran is... Yeah, records, all of it are biblical, it's not. And the whole goal for these at least two entities were the denial of the deity of Christ. So we have to be very careful of what we hear these days and what we know about these commands. We are not scholars, we are not excavators. We have seen small fragments here and there in the, on the Internet but the actual content of all that, we have no privilege of really knowing for sure what they are. But a lot of the writings that I heard being read is anything but biblical. Well, thank you, Jamal. That was a very excellent comment. And one of the things that we have found, or we've discovered a new term for Christian Zionists, we say Zionized Christians, and so that they are very badly deceived. And for those that are interested, we have a, a remarkable interview with Pastor Chuck Baldwin, who uh, ran for president on the Constitutional Party in 2008, but he was a Zionized Christian for about 30 years and uh, finally came out of it. So we see Christians waking up to the dangers of Christian Zionism, if you will. And uh, it's a very slow process because they have been so badly blinded by propaganda, just like what Chuck described. And so now we'd like to hear from Craig. We'll be talking about the concept here of Jesus, not Israel is the vine. Well, well, Chuck, I'd like to pick up on, on something you said on the, the wall plaque there, the Dead Sea, Dead sea Scrolls, how, how subtle the message is that they're putting out. Sometimes it's not so subtle, but it's kind of interesting. I've been dealing with a lot of uh, rats running around uh, my property, and I pulled out some uh, rat poison, and what's interesting, it's 99.99% inert. It's only that 0.01% that's going to kill the rat. 
And what I see happening here with the Zionized uh, Christians, like you're, you're talking about, Tom, is that there's so much truth that gets put out there. You think, oh, this is really good. I'll just eat the whole thing. But there's that little piece of poison in there that will come in and just uh, ruin the relationship with Jesus that presents Jesus in an, a way that it's not him. It's just not him. Chuck, what you said is one of the things you saw on the wall there. It says Judaism and Christianity share the same root. Well, that's sort of true. That, you know, and that's where the, the truth gets in there. And so, oh, yeah, that's right. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the 12 tribes, and, and so forth and so on. And yet, and Jesus was a Jew, and so forth, which is just a little side note that I always like to bring up to people that talk about ethnic Jews, is that today Judaism is passed on through the maternal lineage. If that were the case in biblical times, Jesus wouldn't be a Jew, because we have uh, Rahab and we have Ruth, who were who were not Jews or Israelites, if you will, back in that day. So the idea of a lineage, an ethnic Jew, it really doesn't even exist. But you know, going on, and one of the other things, it's very subtle. You hear it a lot. If this phrase, Judeo-Christian, Judeo-Christianity, like somehow these things are so intertwined together that you can there you have to just put a little uh, hyphen because they're so inter interlinked. And they said, like, this country was founded on Judeo-Christian values. No, it wasn't. This country was founded on Christian values. And as I, I get in through the scriptures here, that even becomes more apparent. Actually, the idea of Judaism, it was the religion of the Judeans in the South Kingdom, as opposed to the Israelites who were in the Northern Kingdom. And this whole thing separated after the kingdom was divided. David's kingdom was divided after Solomon's son, Rehoboam, rebelled against God. And, and really, there were no Jews or Judaism before the Davidic kingdom was split. And the Judaism really came out of the religion of the Judeans. So that was the religion of the Judeans, which then became Judaism. But to get on with tonight's question, Jesus was born into an apostate Judaism. And the, the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees, they had corrupted the true worship of Jehovah. And you talked about Jesus as the true vine, and that's what I'll be, I'll be teaching on uh, this, this coming Sunday at my fellowship. But John 15:1, Jesus says that he is the true vine. Well, true as compared to what? Well, it's true as compared to the false or corrupted vine of Judaism. And uh, Jamal, that's what you were saying, too, is that so much of the, the Talmudic writings, the things got brought into the Torah teachings of Judaism, that it, it got corrupted. It became man's ideas, the rabbinic teachings that got so far off the mark of what true worship of Jehovah was. Jesus spoke out, out of that so many times. And it, it's that same false and corrupted Judaism that Jesus condemned with his famous seven woes in Matthew 23. Anyone can look those up. And it concludes with Jesus saying, Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. And that's the same Judaism that ended up crucifying Jesus and persecuting the church throughout that millennium. Some other scriptures I'd just like to have your listeners look up here. Luke chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, Jesus is saying, Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourself, 
We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Yes, we as Christians share that same root, but that root in the, in the expression of it was so corrupted, Jesus talks about laying the axe to the tree. How bad it was. John chapter 1, verse 11. Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to those who did receive him, other believing Jews, later Gentiles, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So we, at, we hold these truths. Do not take the moniker of replacement theology like Kufi likes to throw at us. They say, well, we're replacement theologians. No, we're not. We're a continuation. We believe in the continuation of the people of God. It goes clear back to Abraham. Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him for righteousness. You know, Craig, Chuck, Tom, Jamal, we believe God. It was reckoned to us as righteousness. This is a continuation of the same blessing that God gave to Abraham. There are so many parables throughout the Gospels. If you just look with the idea of what is Jesus saying about the existing religious structure of his day, you cannot read the Gospels without recognizing that Jesus was condemning, in the, really the harshest, strongest terms, what had happened to the pure relationship, the pure religion of worshiping Jehovah. And Jesus said, you must worship me in spirit and in truth. And the truth had gotten thrown really out the window. One of the parables that Jesus said was the parable of the wicked tenants. And again, the tenants are the leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all the religious political leaders of Judaism. Jesus goes, a man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants and went to another country for a long while. When time came, he sent servants to the tenant so that he would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent another servant. But they also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent a third. This one they wounded and cast out. Then the owner said, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps, perhaps, see, there's a good word. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, surely not. But he looked directly at them and said, what then is this that has been written? The stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Now, this next line, the scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them, but they feared the people. And then there's another one of the barren parable of the fig tree, and I won't go into that. You can look that one up. Paul in Romans makes it really clear that we are grafted in to that holy root, not the corrupted one, but the holy root. We are grafted in. In Romans chapter 11, Paul says, but if some of the branches were broken off, okay, i.e. the, the Jewish unbelievers and the, the, the Talmudic Jews, if they were broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches. If you, 
are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off, from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? So this is what the message that we hold these truths are saying, that the church has not replaced Israel, but it is the fulfillment. Christ is the fulfillment of all the promises in the Old Testament. And it is not a Judeo-Christian thing. Christianity is the following of Jesus Christ, who separated from the old covenant. That's why we have a new covenant and an old covenant. Hello, the new covenant is through the death, the resurrection, and the life-giving Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. That's what separates the church from Judaism. And this idea of trying to meld these two back together, it is, it's a political agenda because there's nothing in scriptures that support Talmudic Judaism melded with Christianity. So that's kind of what I've got tonight. I'd like to say something, Chuck, that the work that you are doing, it's not fruitless. And I just want you to know, 9,500 representatives or messengers from the Southern Baptist now that came to the Dallas Convention, and I am there myself. Number one, I just want you to know that they passed a resolution number 10, and you can look it up in there. It has to do, remember, the fight was over why are you isolating Israel for prayer and not for the Arabs and the Christians in there. So this year they have passed. It is only by God's grace. If you remember, I was blocked by a big wig, you know, at the Southern Baptist on that one. And it happened to be that uh, this year he was asked to resign. So God is powerful God. He is not going to take it laying down. And our fight is not over political issues. Our fight is over the Lordship of Jesus Christ. As long as we continue to focus on that and to try to make sure that there is no corruption is going to come to our Christian faith, the Lord is going to be with us. And we are talking about justice. We are talking about issues to protect the poor, feed the hungry, and all of that. These are essentials items that we have been talking about on your podcast and what you have been doing throughout these generation, trying to defend the truth. Now, finally, the truth is coming up. So people want to know a biblical teaching. Where are you finding your teaching at? So there was a demand by the people 
to ask the convention, where are you coming out with your justification of the faith statement or whatever you're declaring as, as faith? Unfortunately, this year, I couldn't put any kind of amendment or any kind of resolution. I tried my best to put another resolution in there to where the, uh, the convention does not get involved politically at all. And we have a message, as if you are talking about going to all the nations, so you have to make sure that you go also to the Arabs and to the Middle East. And if you are going to speak the gospel, it is also called the gospel of peace. And it's not a gospel of war. So that the resolution I wanted to bring. But I just want to assure you, right now, Chuck, after all these long fights that you have done, that you had 15,000 15, Jewish rabbis that were meeting in Nassau, and their declaration is that Talmudic teaching is not biblical teaching. That's number one. And wow. today, yeah, 15,000. I mean, yeah, you, are, you need to jump with joy on this one. <laughs> and that Israel today is not supposed to be, we, we can be free anywhere we go. We are supposed to be, we are not a political entity, we are religious entity. We are uh, the biblical uh, Judaism, not the, the Talmudic Judaism. And they're trying to explain everything from the standpoint of biblical teaching. So you have 15,000, one of the most orthodox people in the world, those who have been known for the interpretation of scriptures and uh, are standing firm and I can guarantee you there is, there is right now more Jewish people talking about that than we have a Christian people talking about this issue. And they don't recognize what Israel has done at all. And they are not recognizing that it is a state from God. They, they believe it's a Talmudic state. It is, it is external to Judaism. Judaism is not political. Judaism is a religion. And so we have, you cannot imagine what you have accomplished, okay? I'm trying to tell you that today at the Southern Baptist, there were a lot of disgruntlement over a lot of stuff that is going on. And believe me, if this convention does not turn around to be the convention of righteousness back in and put Christ number one, not, not political agendas, and I do not know if you know that Pence is coming tomorrow to speak. And people in the convention, they did not want him to come and speak. And if he comes and speaks, they want to know what he, is he going to speak about. And they wanted a statement what he is going to speak about. It is that they are so adamant about seriousness of the scripture. And so there is a breakthrough, and God does not leave himself without a witness. If it is not going to come from the Christians, it's going to come from the non-Christians. And I'm seeing a movement among the Jewish people that is against what is happening into their religion. And so this is really good stuff going on today. 
I want to ask Jamal, you're actually at the convention right now in Dallas? Absolutely, absolutely. 9,500 people that came. Wow. This is incredible amount of people. You're talking about there's a lot of people who still brainwash and things like that. But I tell you, God is moving heavy through these small churches, and God is going to do something. And I believe that these who have held such statements, they have to give account to it, and they understand that the people of the Southern Baptists are not going to stand with their hands down this time. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Jamal. Bless your efforts, and thank you, and God bless. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.